you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a stadium filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Here we are, Mark. It's Groundhog Day, baby. We're back in Lucas Oil Stadium. And even to, to mess with the brain more, not only are we in the same stadium, we're also in the same suite. And I believe in the same chairs, surrounded by the same people, more or less. Yeah, here in the Huntington Suite. I'm not sure uh, what it is that they do, but I'm Great sure it's company. a, a, a it's fine a, service. It's a bank. Also, the same security. Not so big on the banking industry. Same security outside, and on our way in, That's we right. we were all detained, I believe, or at least I was. Uh, much like Connor Orr was kicked out of uh, the building last year by the same man, uh, same stopped dude. us from coming. Uh, to this, booth. well, it's it's Greg and Wes and I do not have on credentials the number eight, and someone in the company uh, <laughs> failed to, you know, provide the eight on our credential. We're going. It's another investigation that we're going to crack open to get to the bottom of. Erica, another way to look at it is I had the eight on my credential. Mm. Maybe a little sign from the company. Maybe the old Zeuser should go solo, and this w- should have been my show tonight. You know, it's always your show, Dan. Oh, God, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here. Though. I like I- to listen to that show. Let's try it. <laughs> See what um, people think. Hey, it's a long off season. Maybe we'll all take our shots. Um, I love being here, though. I love the combine. Um, well, <laughs> that's strong. But <laughs> I, li- <laughs> I like getting on the road with you boys and having fun. And, and you know that shrimp cocktail over at St. Elmo's, Wes. Ooh, doggy. All the all sports right. writers are talking about it. You know, they changed their policy at St. Elmo this year. Now they have Bruce Springsteen playing the entire time <laughs> in every room at a high volume. Uh, we'll be doing that as a group on Thursday. That will be fun. Um, but today uh, and tomorrow is about the press conferences. That's really why we're here. Uh, and uh, a lot of coaches spoke today, a lot of GMs. And it's interesting, Greg, when you um, – we've been to this many times now, this event, many, many times. This is 15 for me. That's about 10 too many. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. My God. Um, Greg started coming here at age three. The, it's a, it's an interesting event because you walk in there and all the risers are set up. It's kind of like similar to opening night slash media night at the Super Bowl, only you unplug it. There's no juice to it. There's no uh, no special vibe to it. it. It's not on the floor of the stadium or an arena. So you remove all that accoutrement, and what you're left with is <laughs> essentially just this spot where coaches and GMs can choose to further uh, any narratives around their team if they want. And I think it's all very carefully done. And one thing I've noticed today is that it seems like the coaches, whatever, they say what they want. But the GMs are the ones really to pay attention to when it comes to, like, 
following narratives around teams. Yeah, and personnel. You could see the differences in terms of the coaches compared to the GMs when it came to the quarterbacks for Arizona and the Giants, which we'll we'll get into. And I think that's because it's the time of year where GMs are trying to not show their cards. They're trying to leave every avenue open. So like in the case of the Cardinals and Josh Rosen, maybe they're not as committal to him because they want people to think that they're going after a quarterback, even if they aren't. I don't know. It's like... What do the coaches really get to Which decide? is interesting, like, if that's true, and it's possible that it's all a smokescreen, but is it at some point, don't you want to support your guy? And we're going to get into all that. Josh Rosen hung out to dry a little bit because now there's more headlines about, is this guy our guy? You just took him at the top 10 pick last year. I do think there is a difference, though, because Pat Shermer and Cliff Kingsbury have these relationships with their quarterbacks that need to be maintained, and they're so important. The GM quarterback relationship—that's more business. Nebulous. I don't think I don't think they're wor- as worried about that. All right, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through the big headlines uh, and takeaways from the pressers. A bunch of guys spoke today. A bunch of guys will speak tomorrow, Thursday. A few more on Friday. We'll be out of here by then. Yeah, we don't care about the Friday guys. Leaving on a jet plane. Um, but uh, let's go through it, and then uh, we'll do a little eight o'clock delight. Just catch up on all the news, and then uh, at the end of the show, we'll just share, share some takeaways. Uh, including Wes, I know you have something sexy planned. Well, uh, sexy is a little bit of an exaggeration. Yeah, we got to leave sex. a lot of time. There's a lot of takeaways here. Um, <laughs> got right. about your boy there, Adam Gase. Too. Adam Gase, I have a, I have a thought on Adam. All right, let's get into it and let's start with, uh, I guess, the biggest news. If you just say, what was the biggest headline? Uh, a former Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. Uh, a lot of uh, speculation about what the Eagles will do. Uh, with Nick Foles, and it was made official. Howie Roseman uh, stood at the uh, podium and said, we will not use the franchise tag on the quarterback, which makes him a free agent. Here is uh, what Roseman had to say. It's hard when you have someone who's incredibly valuable um, to your organization at the most important position in sports, and um, at the same time, we've had incredible success with him when he's had to play. Uh, four playoff wins over the last two years. Great teammate, um, a huge resource for Carson and Nate Sudfeld as well. Uh, but at the same time, um, he deserves an opportunity to lead a team. It's a goal of his to lead another team and lead another locker room. Uh, Mark, the Eagles I saw in some circles on Twitter were being applauded for this decision, but it, it kind of just makes sense, right? I think it makes sense, and it is the for all the – hemming and hawing you get in these pressers where you have 15 minutes to essentially, uh, in a well-practiced mode, say nothing. The Eagles gave us a concrete answer to one of the biggest questions in the offseason right here. And it was funny because I went back to the room for a minute and saw Roseman on ESPN saying, not only is this the best quarterback out there that's available right now for a team that needs one, but almost willing anyone to take him. We always thought, oh, they were going to try to keep him from the Redskins or the Giants. That with all that stuff, and Greg, you challenged him a couple weeks ago. If you're the Eagles, don't be scared of where Nick Foles lands. And I think this is the right decision to not take that tack and try to maneuver him to Miami or Jacksonville or some nonsense. Good description. Like that. Greg directly challenged that organization. <laughs> I did write a. I, co- I did, did write a column that said release. You know, let him free. Or else. Let him go to free agency. But <laughs> I here's the thing. I mean, you legit scared that organization. I think they read it and they understood. They yeah. didn't have any options, though. That's why I don't – I give them credit that it's the right decision, but they didn't have any options. And I think they explored every option to direct them him away from the Giants and the Redskins. And there was no trade market for him. They have as much – cap problems as any team in the entire NFL. There's no way they could have his $25 million salary on even for a minute, and a trade market wasn't materializing, and it sure sounds like the Giants, at least, aren't going to get in on Nick Foles anyway, and that no one here, and that's kind of the big question, can come up with a, a logical other team other than Jacksonville. It just seems full steam ahead to Jacksonville and Nick Foles. I mean, and the Eagles are going to get a comp pick for him, too, which right. could be third or fourth. We don't know yet, but they're going to get something for him. Adam Schefter reported, for what it's worth, that the Jaguars are the, quote, favorite to sign Nick Foles. And, again, like you're saying, it's just kind of connecting the dots right now. Right. And that's the thing was, like, let's not say, okay, who in this sports where there's, you know, you don't have any in a world. loyalty or you don't – like, they did right by Nick Foles. No. They – they had it in his contract 
that they picked up his option so that he had to pay them $2 million to become a free agent. And the only reason they did all that is so that they could examine this market over the last few days, see if a trade could develop. And it didn't work out, and that's fine. It's all business, but you don't need to give them any extra credit for it. But they owe the, they owe it to themselves to do that due diligence. Sure, to I think that's sure fine. To make sure that there's no offer out there that they could take. I think that's fine. And I think Roseman put it well, and, and he said that we had this situation where we had a top 15 quarterback – on the roster, and it comes down to something as simple as this. They probably think Carson Wentz is like the 7th to 10th best quarterback in the league internally, and they had the 15th best guy, and they just said they had to let go of one of them, and you let go. But I agree that they, not many teams ever, Mark, get in this situation where it's like we do have two legitimate options, and they made their decision. Yeah, for all the good timing that happened with Nick Foles and the Eagles over the last seven, 800 days, this is the one case of it being terrible timing because it's one of the few years we've ever – covered football at all where there aren't like eight or nine teams right. looking for a quarterback. There's no bidding war. That's the reason they're going to let he, him go. There was a Mike Garofolo has been asking the question, how come people aren't nearly as high on Foles as Kirk Cousins a year ago? And, and I think it's an interesting question, but I think it's because there's not as many teams looking for quarterback. Because to me, I think there's at least a case to be made that Foles – is developed late in his career, and that his upside is pretty significant, that he could be a pretty good starting quarterback for a while in the right system. I mean, Kirk Cousins never played games that Nick Foles has put up in terms of what he did in the Super Bowl and some of the performances that he's had in big spots. Well, can can I answer that question for Mike Garofolo? Do it. Because Kirk Cousins has been numerically a top six or seven quarterback since he became a starter. He has been durable, he's been consistent, and he's been that guy. So that's why I, it doesn't surprise me at all he had more value. Compiler, bro. Not this last year. What do you mean? He's a compiler? So he Kirk was a compiler in Washington, in my opinion, and <laughs> he got paid for it. Well, they're similar. Let's get on this what does ball. that even mean? Yeah, it is a wormhole. Well, ball. he just puts up great numbers, but what has he really proven in this league beyond that? <laughs> that he, he can't carry to injured teams to the playoffs. There's similar concerns that, like, when you take – Doug Peterson away from Nick Foles, what's going to happen? And I think there's the same uh, with Kirk Cousins in Washington. Certainly his best numbers were when McVay and Kyle Shanahan were there. Or, or you put Nick Foles into a Jaguars offense with zero playmakers. Right. That could right. be a problem. Let us move on. Uh, Mike Mayock's been at this event year after year. I've even had the the blessing to many times be assigned with covering the Mike Mayock <laughs> press conference, uh, which is a little unusual when you're covering a press conference of ostensibly a colleague on some level uh, talking about draft prospects. I mean, he, is a, he was our colleague like Deion Sanders is our colleague. <laughs> it's like, hey, Prime, what's going on? Want to go to the it's huddle? Like a thousand-yard right. stare right through your body. Exactly. exactly. But um, <laughs> anyway, now he's the GM of the Oakland Raiders. And some other news that came out of today, he was pounding the table. That's his word, too. That's his phrase, right? He used to say that is the table. Yeah. Stand on, on the this, table. Stand on the table. He was standing on the table for Derek Carr. Let's hear what Mike Mayock had to say about Mr. Carr. I think Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback. I, I truly believe that. Now, do I also believe that uh, it's a general manager and head coach's job to, to keep their eyes open to improve any position on a football team? Sure. But I think it's really difficult to try to improve over a franchise quarterback like the one we have in our building right now. Okay. You don't think he's standing on the table? I think he's hopping up and down. I think he's got like his hands sort of firmly. It's like resting on the table to keep himself from falling down. All right, well, that's not bad, though. It's better than what I, think I just, thought going into today. He's just sitting at the table, I feel like. <laughs> he's not even standing on it. I feel like Bad table. everybody's reading this organization wrong when it comes to its quarterback. They, John Gruden and Derek Carr got off to kind of a shaky start. But every sign out of Oakland that I've seen for the past two months has been they think Derek Carr's their guy. That's I, that's fair, but I think the uh, the vast odds are that they wind up with Derek Carr, and so why not say everything you're going to say? And they probably do believe it to an extent, but what if they fall in love with one of these rookie prospects, they are in great position to draft one. I do think there's a back door open to go do what you want there. Right, for the trade that you envisioned happening. Derek Carr to Washington, and they take a quarterback. Can I mean, we go through those uh, terms again, I Mark? think that we've burdened the listener <laughs> it, with that already it, once. So. It was more telling to me to hear Mayock talk about Kyler Murray, and really you could see the excitement and just saying how hard they're really trying to figure out how he fits into the NFL. It's like – the Seahawks aren't trying to figure that out with with Kyler Murray because they have their franchise quarterback. The Patriots aren't that worried 
you know, maybe that's a bad example. They're not up at the top of the draft. But other teams, if you really have your guy, you're not you're not investing all that time trying to figure out what Kyler Murray is. And the Raiders are obviously and openly doing that. Bro, did you you said the Seahawks don't have a quarterback need? Did you hear Ciara likes New York? <laughs> she prefers <laughs> that it. was. Uh... That was uh, that was like one of those things that today someone was like, oh, yeah, real good, quote unquote, journalism in 2019. This is ridiculous. <laughs> They're talking Russell Wilson in New York. It's like, <laughs> let's not paint all journalists with that brush. Nice. All right. Moving on. All right. Here's more quarterback talk. And this one, this one surprised me, I have to say. So Cliff Kingsbury, he comes to the podium uh, and he's very um, well coordinated. He kind of, to me, looked like. You know when you go into like J Crew and it's the full mannequin outfit, and I always get, I'm envious because I don't have the body type where I could oh that's uh, let me put that on and I'll look like the mannequin guy, but that's what Cliff's bod is like. So he was wearing a full J Crew outfit. For, he was wearing what? He was wearing a Henley unbuttoned, Greg, with the vest, two jeans, buttons unbuttoned, matching matching uh, sneakers. It was a whole look he had. That's not my point. But he did. Look I mean, good. I think that probably is your point. But my point is that he got behind Josh Rose and he likes Josh Rose and he's looking forward to it. But then the Kime bomb comes on. Tick, tick, tick. Steve Kime. <laughs> and I was very interested uh, by what Kime said when he was asked about Josh Rose. And again, the Cardinals have the first overall pick in the draft. Here's what Kime bomb said. It's still early in the process. We haven't even gone through a full evaluation at all the positions. So really, it's, it's again, too early to say. So then he was pressed on it. Is Josh Rosen your quarterback? Is Josh Rosen our quarterback? Yeah, he is right now for sure. I Listen, it's not like hardcore, Wes. Like, it's not like it was some grand statement that he said he wants to find somebody else. But wouldn't you throw all your weight behind this kid? Well, Clearly I, he's not. I think this goes exactly back to what Greg said. The head coach should, yes. And the GM owes it to himself and his organization to open as many doors as possible, pry them open, keep them open, and see if he can – what if he can have talks with other teams about Josh? But Rosen. shouldn't this be mm. now? Kingsbury has had nothing to do with uh, Rosen coming to the Cardinals. Kime had everything to do with it. I get that side of it, but you could also make the case that Kime, this was his boy less than a year ago, and now he's kind of leaving the door open. I was surprised. That's it's all. it's unique. It's rare to be in a to have the number one pick, and I think that's when you have to have all your your doors open and keep all avenues open, I think that just makes total sense to me. And you hear, sorry, you hear over and over that Cliff Kingsbury's offense is suited much more so to Kyler Murray than Josh Rosen. And so if you're kind, you have to work with your new coach, who you also had a big part in hiring. And what if if there are people behind the scenes saying, look, we get it, we'll be loyal to Josh Rosen and we can work with him, but I'm telling you, this quarterback – is a better fit. What happens inside the Cardinals organization? This top of the draft is so fascinating between them and the Raiders because so much could happen. Kime also said, I think Cliff's, he's not tamping down the whole Cliff is an offensive genius. He said, I think Cliff's schematical approach is going to be different than probably most of what you've ever seen in the NFL. So he's saying he has got to do things that are a little different. And you're right. Maybe Kyler Murray could fit into that. But the timing of it is all very strange. My immediate thought was, okay, maybe he's trying to do the thing where he's saying we're kind of in the market for quarterback, so that teams will trade up to, to number one. So they keep Josh Rosen, and they get as much value as they can out of that pick. That's and, and what they, I was thinking. And they yeah. trade down to the Giants or the Jaguars or, or whoever, and, and that seems most logical. But the timing's strange because, like, once you get past – the free agent period and quarterbacks is aren't they kind of pot committed to Josh Rosen at that point? That's where I, I like I can't imagine them trading Josh Rosen on draft weekend, but who knows? I can't. I think it's a low per- percentage of that, but I I just think that a, both of those things are a little bit true. Where there's a fascination for him within the organization, and you want to keep the door open to get the best possible return if you move the pick. And it and it raises like a larger point that we're just catching up to because we don't know this draft that well that. You know, a month or two ago, people were saying, well, there's not really many great quarterbacks in this draft. Now I feel like after just being here, now we're draft experts. It's sure. like Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray are expected to go in the top five or six, both of them. And once again, it, it at this point already, it wouldn't shock me that much if they went one, two. Like, would it shock anyone if the, Gi- the Giants sound like they want to go trade up for a quarterback and 
would another team, you know, could another team end up trading up? And those guys end up going in the top just like all the quarterbacks do. Right. Also, wouldn't surprise me if they go eight ten instead of one. Two. That would that would really surprise Kyler me Murray. at this point. No, I, I'll give you my house if just Kyler Murray goes no, outside of ten. I don't, don't think that Kyle, right Kyler situation. Murray is is. I don't think that's a sure thing that he's going that high. Mark, you don't own any property. Well, you, something other than my or house or a car or my car. I mean, neither do I. I'm just pointing out. Why did you need to yeah, point you that did, out on you our You did podcast? tell me you had to have them deliver your wardrobe box from the office to your house, which is only about a mile, because otherwise you would have been trying to fit the wardrobe box into an Uber. Yeah, I don't, like, have I to don't carry walk that around. I don't carry street. around seventy dollar or seventy pound wardrobe boxes to begin with. So right, but like, if you know. had a car, you could you know put it in. Why have we? What is going on in the show right now? <laughs> he does have a car, but his wife uses it. Oh, okay. We have unpacked this to a degree that I am uncomfortable with. Move on to the next football topic. I appreciate you as an admitted poor driver. Just try to stay off the roads at this point. Oh, absolutely. Please. That's good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Back to the Giants. Uh, So Pat Shermer, a perfect example. Pat Shermer comes up to the podium. I like having Eddie Spaghetti, by the way, you know, yeah. Damashek's producer, in the house because he actually laughs at our jokes. Tim Posey never does that. She doesn't care. She's not plugged in. My this mic's not on. <laughs> yeah, but we can just he, – he doesn't even and, have a mic. And we I can. just realized there's a huge rip in my crotch, and I'm sitting in – like, I'm sitting cross-legged on yeah, the there is. ground, and I'm just facing you guys, and I, all I can feel is, like, a breeze, <laughs> you know? Okay. All right. A lot of information coming out, and <laughs> uh, it's good. All right. right. (laughs) So the New York Giants, uh, Pat Shermer, perfect example of what, you know, what's going on in these uh, these interview or these pressers. He says Eli's going to be back. We're looking forward to having Eli back. You know, we think he he really came on at the end of the season when the team got healthy and all that. Uh, Then Gettleman comes on and he's a little more meh and he leaves the door open. And I think this one is a little speaking of Eddie Spaghetti, he was a big Giants fan. This one, we were talking before the show, this one to me is starting to come into focus a little bit more. The Giants picking at six overall. The, if they keep Eli, and I, I know it's a punchline, it's like, oh, this, you know, they're not even giving themselves a chance. The Giants are a joke for sticking with This is not, It's no longer like we see Eli as the answer long term. I think it's now looking like Eli is now the bridge guy to who's going to be take uh, the quarterback who's going to be taken in the top six. It might be six. It might be moving up to get higher to get the guy they really want. But I think all Eli is now is just a caretaker, and I don't think that's a bad idea. If you're looking for a caretaker, Eli's not the worst guy to have in the building. So I, I the from what I'm hearing from Gettleman, that seems to be what, what's going to happen here on draft. I t- he is essentially the Kurt Warner. Is that's exactly what Kurt Warner did for him. A latter day Kurt Warner, and they and they and I know that the, one thing I like Gettleman said that was was true that there's this narrative around Eli that everyone just Can thinks you say he's, in a Dave Gettleman accent. No, but he does. I do like <laughs> it's like tall quarter quarterbacks, short quarterbacks. Quarterback, I don't know, what I mean, but I can't. Do it. But like he, he they love Eli, the preparer and the teacher, and someone that you would. What he is a good person to put with a rookie and have the guy sit. And they talked about the Chiefs model primarily as a he, success. So you think it's in their head? Yeah, and he kept talking about what. His mentor, Ernie Acorsi, did by leaving Eli that that would be a dream for him to do the same thing. And he even, like, painted a pic. I mean, he was very Sessler here, painted a picture. He said, I'd love to just be watch. He just loved to be in Cape Cod in retirement and just watching his guy, you know, run the Giants for years. Like, that would give him a, a big source of contentment. As I mean, he's, he's been on the job down. for, like, two years. I don't know how quickly do we he's going to retire that quickly, but – well, he's, he's he is like seventy and just had lymphoma. Oh. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's really, fair. two fair really points. good points <laughs> by Greg. Uh, two other Giants tidbits. Uh, Gettleman shot, shot down. Not that we didn't um, suspect this that it was all kind of just February BS, but Gettleman said we didn't give Odell Beckham Jr. a huge contract extension to turn around and trade him. So just let's why don't we put that on the no touch list on this podcast right now on any Odell trade speculation. Oh, that's good. Uh, And also Landon Collins. uh, I'll I'll throw it to one of you guys because I heard somebody thought it was a little saucy. Greg, it was you. Landon Collins. uh, Again, there's been a lot of speculation about what they're going to do with the former first round pick. There was speaking of uh, shenanigans to talk about him empty on his locker last week. What is his future with the giants? It's murky. Well, there were, there were some whispers. That maybe they didn't value as much as as uh, let's say Chris and I did when we ranked the the free agents. I mean, we talked about that on the last show, and then he had this common Gettleman today that when they were talking about the tag, he said, "Let's talk about eliminating distractions." You tag a guy and he's mad, 
and that's all you guys are going to write about for six months. That's what it's going to be. So I have to say to myself, is that worth it? And that that was telling to me that it, he he was when they asked about bringing Collins back, he was very ambivalent about it. Well, and it made me think maybe he's just going to be a free agent. It made me think of Josh Norman. He's already been through this. Right. Once. Like to me, that's not that Landon Collins isn't good. It's that I don't want to go through the same thing I went with. Went through with well, it's a combination to me because if you think he's the best safety in the league, you you just would do it, I would think. But I, you're right. Norman caught us flat-footed. Gettleman surprised everyone by not tagging him that year and letting him go, and I guess maybe it's going to happen I'd be a again. little concerned if you're avoiding the franchise tag, which gives you another year to negotiate and work on keeping this player around because of the annoyance factor of writers writing about it between now and September. Right. I don't, I don't know. He also, I mean, he has a way with words. He had said something about like, if it, it, if you tell a lie long enough, then you, then you start to believe it. And he was talking about people like Wes and I, believing that we're lying about Eli Manning. That can, we've said it I? so long that you that we've started to believe it, and then at some point you're just entrenched in your position, and you can can't, and you can't move off the spot. Which I immediately thought, you know, who can't move off the spot? Eli F and Manning. When was the last time he That's avoided exactly what I thought. Talk about a guy who can't move <laughs> off a spot. Your quarterback can't. And I, I like this is a Stop win- deflecting. This is a window into how that media group is so bedeviled because of Dave Gettleman's words. He stood up there for five minutes and acted like Eli Manning. It's a false narrative. He's been a bad quarterback. His numbers are bad. His winning percentage is bad. His game film's bad. And he's bad. And you said the media, they all just lapped it up with big smiles, you're saying? I'm saying the New York media has been doing that for four years. Except they're, for they're G- under some delusion. Except, that Eli read some of these articles. The Except for Jordan Raynon. Like, he's always, like, killing them with tough questions. Like you Jer- could tell even, even Gettleman was kind of just like, oh, okay, here comes the Jordan. Ah, he's he Jordan again he up ate, to his old tricks. Yeah, he hates Eli. Fuck, I hate this guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> lastly, uh, he'll never get a bigger scrum, uh, Kevin Colbert, the general manager of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, than he had on Wednesday, and why? Well, that's obvious. Antonio Brown is one of the biggest stories, or the biggest story, of the offseason. And, again, there's this interesting wrinkle, Mr. Sessler, to this entire story, that Antonio Brown goes on social media, uh, sometimes sweating profusely during a workout, and tells us how he's moving on. It's been a great run. Here's a highlight video. Here's some copyrighted music, and I'm playing with it. And and then the Steelers meet with him, and the Steelers are like, yeah, it is it is time. I think we should, you know, look into making a move to ending this relationship. But Kevin Colbert said it again today, and I believe it. Like, listen, we'll trade Antonio Brown, but if we don't get an offer that we think is fair for the value, we'll just bring him back. And what is Antonio Brown going to do about it? He's under contract. I think it's I think if Antonio Brown continues to poison his own market and they can't get the right value, the Steelers are better off holding on to him. And he says he said people don't believe him, but he he's saying it's a real thing. We are willing to keep this guy if we don't get the right yeah, offer. And the Steelers have put forward, I think, a good front office example of not being wilting flowers with their own players. And this was an example, not to tread on uh, Wes's territory to come, I thought, of you learn almost nothing from <laughs> Kevin Colbert at all, but everyone's going to retweet and tweet the same stuff that we knew weeks ago. The two things I thought that, 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 that I learned, one, well, number one, that they might bring him back. That they, They've t- discussed that before. But two, he did say that you know, I thought it was hands off AFC North and throw in the Patriots because there have been reports about that, that if one of those teams came and blew them away, maybe that door would be open to trade to one of those. Do I think so? I think that's their last resort. They want NFC. They want the Packers. They want someone else. But I, it's another press conference where I don't feel we learn too much about this situation. They just don't want to hand them well, away. They don't said, want to look desperate. He said he would weigh that, and there was a report that they'd prefer the NFC. So basically, if, if a division I mean, of the Patriots— I mean, of course Patriots, they would. Isn't that logical? Right, of right. course they would. But they, if they would have to kind of make up for it. And he did point out the salary cap hit that they would take by trading, and that that plays into it, too, into the compensation that they would need to get. That, that, that he is, in his words, Antonio Brown's one of the best players in the league, and we would need compensation that reflects it. All right, gentlemen. Uh, let's— uh, so that's kind of the, the bulky news um, out of uh, Wednesday. How about some kind of takeaways, other kind of quick hit type thoughts? Greg, get us going. Ooh. I know you wrote your debrief, so you have a lot of things kicking around that old brain. Ooh. Let's, how about Jason Garrett? Because that was late in the day. Uh, first of all, 
I feel bad for him. He's going to have to answer that he's on a contract year for the rest of the year, and he was just like, I, I, I don't think about that. Because Stephen Jones, we haven't talked about this in the podcast, said this week that we all know that Garrett needs to take – that we all need to take the next step, and that's what's reflected here. So, I mean, it is – and they made the playoffs this year. They even won a game. So it's like they basically have to go to the Super Bowl or else Jason Garrett's getting fired, which is – The Super Bowl? Or he said they have to take the next step and they're not giving him the contract, and he's stuck answering this awkward question. But the bigger news from it was that they're not going to cut Randy Gregory, and he also made it pretty clear that Sean Lee is going to have a future with that team. It sounds like Sean Lee's going to take a big pay cut and kind of be like the the veteran guy who just stays around. And Randy Gregory, I don't think we talked about this on the last show. Oh, that's right. It happened since then. He violated – well, there was a report going into last season that he had a violation of the substance abuse policy, and now – uh, it's come out that he's facing an indefinite, indefinite suspension. Which is huge because they're going to lose David Irving likely in free agency. Gregory, I mean. Demarcus Lawrence, they got to get Demarcus Lawrence, who also had that suspension, you would think is not going anywhere. Um, I'll throw out a, a takeaway there. Um, where do I want to go? So oh, many options. Gunti. Uh, Brian Guntekunz, the GM of the uh, Packers. There was a lot of, West. this was something that was grinding your gears uh, last season with Mike McCarthy and the Packers offense. Why isn't Aaron Jones have a definitive role? Why does he disappear from the game plan? Why is he sharing touches with inferior players? Well, the Packers have an issue with his conditioning, and they, they said, uh, Gunakun said today, that needs to improve. Sheds a little light potentially on the uh, situation with his usage. No, I've always liked Aaron Jones, but I always understood why he didn't get more playing time. And it's not just the conditioning. It's that he's not really good in the passing game. Hmm. And that's a big part of playing running back in the NFL. But he's clearly by far their best runner. I want to set you up, Wes, uh, on your top five list at the end of the show. Do you have any other uh, takeaways besides besides that? I do. If not for the uniforms, I'd be pretty excited for the Bruce Arians era in, in Tampa Bay. He said that – Going into a job, this is the best collection of skill players he's ever seen on a roster. Going into any of the places he's been to. And I think we were saying that throughout last season when Ryan Fitzpatrick was going nuts early in the year, that they have so much talent. They had a good play caller last year. But I think they also have a little bit more talent on defense than people think, and they just had a lot of injuries last year. You buying in, bro? I'm not going to buy into Jameis Winston, but I'm buying into the Buccaneers. They can also change those uniforms pretty soon. Hopefully. Ooh. Yeah, I, I had a big takeaway from that, too, which is they're not cutting Deshaun Jackson. No. He met. He said he met with Deshaun Jackson. He kind of got him with the program. I think there's probably a, a slight chance some team would give him a great offer that maybe they would think about, but it, it sure sounds like they're just expecting Deshaun Jackson to be on that team. I have a Kangle takeaway. For the last couple of uh, uh, combines and league events, he was wearing uh, Bruce Arians' like, personalized Kangles that had his logo. It was like a pic, uh, logo of him. He got too big. Uh, I think maybe it's because Antonio Brown called him out. Uh, but now he di- he kind of took it down a notch, and it just had the NFL shield on the back of the Kangol. So still personalized, but no longer. It was a little extra to have like a cartoon version of himself on the Kangol, and he's moved that out. That's of the, the kind of take that if you're home, you this was a fashion observation that you had to be here to make. That you you did a nice. Well, there's, job right there. there's why a I lot of fashion. Of dollars to send me here. There, there's a lot of fashion takes. I feel like. It's a fit, like if you're in the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan tree, you have to wear the zip up sweater right. with the button down do underneath. Gotta That's do what Lafleur was doing. That's what uh, Zach Taylor was doing. Like that. That's the mo. And I do get the sense with Lafleur, there's a, there's some Packer there's some Packers people out there that are just kind of like. Hey, wake me up when this press conference is over. This guy needs a little more juice in front of the mic. A little more flair. Uh, Mark, give us something. <laughs> I'll give you a couple little nuggets here. Number one, Zach Taylor absolutely looks to me like Topher Grace. Um, if they ever come up with some sort of gigantic Bengals movie, not expecting it's that not to happen, happen anytime soon, he, he wow. could be a double. Um, I saw Anthony Lynn in the elevator, and he's just another coach that reminds you, because I thought Freddie Kitchens was probably like my height. Oh, he was a former <laughs> Alabama quarterback. He's but, like, huge. every one of these coaches almost are massive people. Brian they're, Flores. They're huge well, Except dudes. for Zach Taylor and Matt LaFleur, who look like they should be asking the well, questions. Well, Zach Taylor looks like Topher Grace. But <laughs> I, the other thing is um, the Bears, because I've been very hard on the Bears. But one thing that I got from Matt Nagy was that 
Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they gush over each other, and they are so much on the same page. And that may seem like, okay, of course they are, no big deal. But I'd say two-thirds of the league don't have that between a coach and GM. And Mm. he just talked about how much farther they are ahead right now working together than where they were a year ago. So that's a little... Are you speculating that they're in love with each other? Professionally. What? What? You got to ask questions, Greg. That's what Jerko does. But that was an untoward question. I mean, I don't. I think from in terms, they have a good working relationship. Okay, that's a question that has to be asked. I mean, a painful one for their children to listen to. But yes, see, you take it in a different direction. Yeah, it doesn't need to. We don't need. That's not to be carnal. Well, it could be. (laughs) But he says no. Um, Greg, give us another one. Let's. Well, I wanted. I wanted to dive into this whole controversy on Twitter that. Um, Lakeisha, the paramour, is really into Cliff Kingsbury's voice, and uh, and that that voice was putting West to sleep. But but then uh, a response from one That's of our voice. social media coordinators, Kendall, who does a great job over at Yahoo, she was like, "That voice can put me to sleep." Anytime. I had another See, fe- I had out, another female text me out of the blue saying, "People love Cliff Kingsbury, Kingsbury is it? They love they're way." This into guy it. had not a modicum of personality or charisma <laughs> during this whole fifteen That's why minutes. I wanted to ask. No charisma well, whatsoever. He's boring the paint off the walls. Wes's fiance likes his voice. Wes coming hard after the man. I, this has nothing to do with it. I just can't think of anybody watching that and saying, hey, that's kind of cool or hot. Or what, what, what. Hey, well, he put you to sleep. He's, he's got a little, you couldn't even hear him. He's got a little bit of the – I think he's got a little bit of the low-key – Energy though, but some women like that. Well, I think I, it's confident. No, but, it's because they think he looks like Ryan Gosling. That's I, all. He, that's that's not, all it the is. There's just too much proof, Wes, that a vast number of females disagree with you entirely on this. Can I? You got to just gotta I, live with that. No, get in there. They can, Dan. Think, let me get, get in. Let, let me they just, can be wrong, Mark. Okay, let me just let me just say. First <laughs> of all, they're wrong. Cliff Kingsbury is a nice resin to his voice. That's all. It's not an amazing voice. How but, could you even hear it? I was right next to him. But I, the, my point, my Kingsbury point, is more. A year ago, there was one team that I felt was doomed when I was here, and it was the Arizona Cardinals. And it had no no offense to Steve Wilkes, although I'm sure he will take offense to it if he uh, heard this. Not that he does. Well, he listens to every episode, I assume. But uh, <laughs> Wilkes just seemed to be a guy who was in a tough spot. You know? Look at DJ. DJ's looking at us through the glass. He's like, it's like the Grim what's Reaper it like to be here. on a popular podcast? <laughs> what's up, buddy? Um, Wilkes was a Wil- Wilkes was a guy that seemed he had his back against the wall even when he took the job. Kingsbury, I don't know if he's going to be a good coach or not, but he he has that McVay easy confidence, and he didn't see seem overwhelmed. So if I'm a Cardinals fan, I like the vibe he was giving he, off. He was in control. There's always one coach. I, I'm with Dan. I agree. He Dan called con- him a, a chewy pretzel he, just out of the oven. He seemed he seemed low key. This episode got weird. He it has been a weird one. He every year there's a coach or two that that. Early on in their tenure as head coach, they're like, why did I take the 945 press conference? And to me, Cliff Kingsbury (laughs) was that guy. It's like John Elway knows what he's doing. You can just – I can pencil it in next year. John Elway's 345 p.m. or 4 4 p.m. on Wednesday. He's taking that last spot. spot. He's not having to worry about, you know, getting up and, and looking good early. I think Kingsbury was feeling it this morning. That's my take. Um, anybody got a, another one? My one thing is that this is like the seventh or eighth time we've come to this, or various sure. amounts each, that the food situation is a is an ultra disaster. And I, by now, there's no excuse for me not to learn from it. And once again, I go into the fray at 9 a.m. with nothing packed, and then there's like a a lunch upstairs that essentially will give 12 people heart attacks, and then there's nowhere to get food. At and a I go back point, to my room. You, and, though. I no, mean, I'm, I'm blaming we, myself yeah. entirely. I went back to the room. And got a low-level salad for forty dollars. I mean, what, what? How are we planning for our day at this point? Um, hang in there, buddy. Next year, get to get to the food area at eleven forty-five a.m. and you're covered. Um, Adam Gase, uh, you could tell like the big takeaway from his introductory press conferences that he bombed it and he looked like spooked and his eyes were all over the place. This was more Adam Gase in his comfort zone. He was wearing a pullover. Uh, sweater. He had his hat, hat pulled down low, like he'll always have on the sideline. And he was just talking really football. Low. Yeah, just talking football and about his team. And my takeaway now, and I'm always going to skew optimistic as a Jets fan, is that 
he was the reason he performed so poorly in that introductory press conference is that is just not his thing. Being in a suit with the lights and everyone looking at him talking about being hired is not his thing. He's more he's a football coach. So I felt better. He seemed just comfortable today, which I kind of needed to see, to be honest with you as a Jets fan. Uh, so that was mm. my gaze takeaway. Th- that's fair. But <laughs> it still could be a disaster. Don't get me wrong. No, I'm just saying this. There's, I think, there's nothing viral about today's. Uh, no, and uh, I and conference. I think you're right. But there is part of me that like is using this pop psychology that like that hat is like pulled over so much over his face that he like needs this like barrier between him and the media. It, you know what I mean? Like Bono with his sunglasses. Like, yeah, like Ricky Williams in the helmet. Right, a little bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. And I and now, so yeah, okay, press conferences aren't your thing, but. You know, you are the New York. He was hiding his eyes. You're the New York. The you're the New York Jets head coach. But it was it was a solid B B plus today fine. compared. I to I like Adam Gates. We we liked him. We should have him back. And and Mark, I won Freddie Kitchens take. It's more a Browns organization. It's not telling me you signed Kareem Hunt to make him a better person. Well, all right. You I know why you I him. I don't know what else he was. I think he was asked the question five different ways and did the best he could with. Right. Uh, you know, he didn't sign the player, and he has to explain the fact that the general manager you know, knows him better than anyone. And it's impossible to come out of that without a large majority of people mm. saying, whatever you say, you're wrong. He did here. say one interesting thing to me that he, that he, Kareem Hunt has, he hasn't even gotten a second chance yet. Right. So they're making it, but he has, they're stating that he needs to do all these things right uh, behind the scenes to even get a chance. I don't know if I believe that, but that was the one thing that they're not even they're not even going as far as saying he's definitely on the team. I think it's fine. Like wherever you like, I'm able to say I just don't like that they added him. And you can give it any answer you want. I don't care what the spin is. I I found it interesting. Chris Greer, the Dolphins GM, really shot down the Xavier Howard trade rumor. So that was just something that had kind of been on your mind. I know, Chris. Like, why would they trade him? And he he was very strong in just saying he's he's going to be on our team. So I think. I, I don't know where that came from or if that's a possibility. He was not too strong on Cameron Wake coming back, uh, but but did sound like they were going to really try to make an effort to keep Juwan James, who's well, who's a big right tackle, who's supposed to get now um, maybe like $13, $14 million I mean, a the year, Bengals did the same with John Ross, and part of me is like, why would you even waste a breath telling anyone that you are thinking about trading someone and then suddenly their value plummets hmm. like a rock crashing through the floor. I mean, well, just say, of course not. We value this guy. I get to come well, get he called that report by Ian fake news. I mean, he went global. Duke, Duke Ian got the, it, even got it from somewhere. So. Right. That is a weird one where maybe there's someone in Ross's camp that's trying to get him traded and that the team doesn't necessarily agree, which he is said, just strange. A reminder, if that is true, Two years ago, in this building, he set the all-time 40 record. If the Bengals were already looking to trade him, a Titanic draft mistake. Yeah. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Th- yep. uh, one final thing on Freddie Kitchens, Mark. Now, this is a guy who was comfortable, in control, showed charisma, and gave thoughtful, intelligent answers. Mm. All right. Agree. Any other thoughts? I will say one more thing. The I have la- one more thing. Okay, too. the last two years – uh, in this very um, at this venue, we've seen reports about Johnny Manziel, his agent, leaking to different uh, media people that he is on the verge of a comeback, and there are a lot of teams interested in him. Well, this year, I just found it ironic that on this very day, instead of that being the report, the report is that the uh, Toronto Alouettes um, released him under hazy circumstances. Montreal Alouettes. Oh, excuse me. My, my apologies <laughs> to Canada. Um, uh, but I just thought that was an interesting bow potentially on his career that on this day uh, he gets cut by um, Montreal under mm. questionable I mean, do you think that general manager is glad he's not here at being asked about why they gave two CFL first round? I know what a CFL first round draft pick gets you in the world. Is that what the cost was? Yeah. Oh my I mean, goodness. It, do you know who they're not getting miles? Do you know who their GM is? Pick? Well, I don't know if he's the GM, but he's the head coach. Don't quiz me on that. Mike Sherman. Oh, Schirmbaum. <laughs> well, he's not the and, and by the way, he's put some respect on is the he? Alouette's name. Seven-time Grey Cup champion. Big time. Wow. Well, your thought? <laughs> uh, Brian Flores, I have high hopes for him. I've been really impressed by him. But we're never going to get an interesting answer or press conference or any kind of straight answer out of him. He's straight out of the Belichick tree, and he obfuscates everything he says. You're not get, He's boring as can be, and he's just not going to answer any questions. Well, he's learned well. Yeah. All right, Wes. Anybody else? That's good? No. 
Before we go, um, Wes, you, you, you know, listen, this is not a good event for Wes. Wes is here because he's a professional. But it, does he want to be here? No, not, not particularly. And when he walks into that press conference room, some things start grinding his gears. So he's going to share with us, uh, what would this be, Wes? A top five what? Top five most annoying people at the NFL mm. Combine. All right. I like this Hope list. Hope we're not on this Kind list. of like a, w- w- Wes, you kidding me? I don't know. We've got to workshop this. Uh, all right, Wes. <laughs> let's start with number five. The guy who joins the scrum late shouts over everyone else and asks a question that was answered four minutes ago. Oh, my <laughs> God. During the um, uh, Adam Gase press conference, three jabronis asked about Chris Herndon, the tight end. And after the third one, Everyone was just like, bro, come on. And he was like, oh, sorry, uh, what about Quincy Inunua? But at least he, he, he bailed out of the question. Do, here's my theory on it. Don't ask a question. It's a 15-minute availability. If, you're not, if you show up seven minutes in, listen, you just got to listen. Forfeit, your, or you know, ask, forfeit or, your questions. Or you, at, you, you spy a veteran it, beat reporter, ask if this has been asked. It happens all the time. Because Bingo. this is, and we've said this before, I don't want to step on your point, so I won't. I won't go into it further. But there's only 15 minutes that all these journalists are getting. There's some side scrums, of course, as well, where beat writers get the chance to ask more questions. But when people start wasting questions and time, it's annoying. Wes, number four. The tape head guy who tries to impress the head coach or GM a <laughs> with a late Febu- February question about a defensive lineman's technique. Yeah. Well, I feel like you could name drop here because um, it seems to be the same three or four people every year that do this, but um, anyone that's here knows who those people are. Maybe there's a new generation coming up. <laughs> All right, yeah. number three. Don't I, come up. That's that's annoying. Number three, the guy who monopolizes the whole ridiculous Q&A format, which is like <laughs> teacher and students, <laughs> with a rapid-fire sequence of questions Solely related to the feature in which he's shoehorning the quotes to fit a narrative he's already generated. That was the point I did not want to step on because I figured it was on your list. That is the worst. It's like, bro, we, we can tell what feature you're writing. Uh, this is way different than, say, a Lions beat writer asking Seahawks GM John Schneider, for example, what are we getting in Daryl Bevel, who you had in right, Green that's Bay? Different. That's fine. That's a useful question. This is more like I heard something about the AFC West 14 different times today. All right, number two. The guy who asks all the new new GMs and coaches, what's it like, quote, on a personal level to be at the podium for the first time in your career? <laughs> you're not going to get a lot out of that. Yeah, it's just not you're not getting anything out of it. Yeah, you're not going to learn much about the man. Like, how, hey, how's it going? Like that's that's literally a question sometimes. Like how, how's how's your week? <laughs> how's your week going? What? That's the word. All right, Ricky, give us a little drum roll here as we go to number 1. <laughs> Reason uh, why West, number one thing that annoys West <laughs> at the scouting combine. Hit it, buddy. This is the fallout from the combine. The Twitter conspiracy theorist who trumpets the translation from on high for a simple direct quote. Translation, colon. just pointed at Greg. Translation, colon. I do that. I really, I really tweeted that. Like, I really today. believe Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback. Translation. Raiders trying to build his value so he can Ooh, move up. A little presumptive, you're saying, yeah. I'm saying we, he gave you a simple direct quote. I really believe he's a franchise quarterback. I truly believe he's a franchise quarterback. Translation. He can't possibly believe that. Greg, your thoughts? I think that's fine. <laughs> I, I, I'm with Wes. I'm, I'm trying to think when did I do that. I, I've done some translations. Ricky's saying that's right you, in your you repertoire. You did today or like within I, the yeah, last. Yeah, I think on, on, J, on Jerry Jones saying uh, that they need to take the next step. That was a translation. I mean, like one, soft, or bust. one soft counterpoint is that 98% of these people are lying. Right. We've, we spent the first 20 minutes kind of doing our own version of translation. But it is annoying on Twitter. Doesn't, I'm with you. Doesn't translation usually come into effect when you have a confusing no, yes. statement rather it's than not a direct, simple statement? Super clear statement. Here I see, I'm just going to recraft it to say what I wanted right. to say. All right. Can <laughs> I add one? Can yeah. we add one? How about the guy who uses, like, the nickname? Okay, here, here's the example. There's a Packers writer today who is asking Matt LaFleur a question, and he, and he says, so – is that your responsibility, Matt, or is that something Goody's going to handle? Mm. And he's talking about Brian Gutekunst. And it's like, you no. You don't earn that, bro. No, you don't call him Goody. 
I mean, maybe we should call start calling him Goody. I don't know, but like, no, in that setting, that that was just untoward. There's there's a boss in our company. I won't say who it is because I could get fired. But he goes by a nickname. But I was told, uh, hey, don't call him by the nickname. He only lets people that he really under that that he knows and is in the circle call him by the nickname. It's not the same thing, but it's similar. It's like don't don't do it unless you're you know in the click. Right, yeah. you're just some, uh, you're some jabro. Translation: like, hey. There's a lot of ego floating around here. <laughs> right, it's like, hey, you're like, uh, we're, you know, we're, me and Goody, we're all gonna be out you know, slapping back beers later. So Goody let's just good, do man. it. It's a good nickname. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, slapping back beers, what are we doing tonight? We getting in some trouble? Getting in a mess? What are we up to tonight? Crickets. I don't know. I'll join you at Ricky, some me and you are going out if these uh, old fogies yeah, are These 40-somethings, or if they're not going out, I'm going out with you. Yeah. Millennials are going out. You Eddie Spaghetti, hardly the old mil- Zeuser. You are hardly a millennial. The younger Zeuser, Eddie Spaghetti, Ricky Hollywood, Kent Brown. Wait, who's the younger Zeuser? That's me. I'm in my 30s. You're oh. in your 40s. <laughs> We're kids. We have so much ahead of us, right, yeah, Rick? We got a long night, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll go. We'll have uh, some beers. Have a couple drinks. Mark, a couple Chardonnays. We'll have some fun. I will join you. A lot of great. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to deal with the, these, well. these ageism hits all night long. <laughs> Settle down on that, salt and pepper. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right, here we go. That's it. Good show. We'll be back. Uh, we're going to check out all the pressers tomorrow, and then you'll have a show to you early Friday morning. Maybe we'll have a guest. We also have the Twitter show tomorrow, 4.30 Eastern, 1.30 Pacific. So check that out. That's live. Uh, our Twitter feeds will have all that info. And, and that's it. I, I think salt and pepper hair is not a bad thing to have. I'm just saying you the idea of when someone thinks of millennial, I don't think that you are necessarily <laughs> the first image. Listen, I'm in my 30s, what can I say? Dan Hansis for the Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood. Till Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.